Okay, hi everybody, and welcome to another episode of Better. We are your hosts. I'm Dr. John Duffy, and with me is the beautiful and bright-eyed Julie Duffy. Hey. What's up, babe? Um, well, we're going to see Seinfeld tonight. <laughs> we are. This is our, uh, this will be our trifecta. This will be our third time seeing Seinfeld. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, the first time, Chad and Tiffany, our good friends, we were in Las Vegas. I was super stressed. Yeah. And suddenly they kind of came up with this surprise that they had bought Seinfeld tickets. I think they were already purchased and ready to go and everything. Yeah, no, that was super sweet. John was super, super, stupor, was super stressed, and they kind of had this idea, how do we make John Duffy happy? And that was that was so sweet. I'm it glad was, you remembered that it part. It was so sweet, and, and it so was... So thoughtful. And, and, and it was so exactly what yeah. I needed. Like, it's so good to have good friends who kind of take care of you, even when you resist. Like, I'm, yep. I'm real resistant about being taken care of. Yes, you are. No. I'm fine. Leave me alone. You are. You are. You are. And yet the Seinfeld thing, man, did that hit the spot. I mean, I was crying from, and I mean, literally from the second Jerry showed up on the stage, it was funny. It was great. It was funny. It was joyful. I loved every second of it. And um, we saw Seinfeld again with Chad and Tiffany, and now we'll see Seinfeld with Chad and Tiffany. And on that, just on a little side note, yesterday I was, I went down a, very joyful rabbit hole. I was by myself, um, and I started watching Sebastian Maniscalco yes. um, videos, and yeah. I was crying, sitting in a chair by myself, crying, laughing. So funny. But you just told me you wouldn't go see him because you don't think he's funny. I didn't say I wouldn't and go I'm see like, him. Oh, I will go see him because you enjoy him. That makes no sense. I think he's... Uh, You're he, wrong. I think he's mildly him- amusing. Oh, my God. He's so funny. And he, he's so... Um, his um, physical comedy, like, just the way he stands and the faces he makes. Oh, my God. he, I was dying. It felt good. Laughter. We talked about this at the end of the last podcast. Yeah. The new Darwinism. We don't laugh enough. We're also stressed, but laughter feels so good, and so I'm looking forward to laughing tonight. You, you mentioned recently that you hadn't, you don't go by my office. So Julie's um, uh, studio for painting is near my office, and she walks by fairly frequently, I assume. And, yeah, and and you hear laughter in there, right? Yeah, I mean, and actually, I was dropping something off the other day, and you you were laughing. I yeah. I, I thought about it. I was like, there, there he is again. Which is a great thing. I actually love, I love hearing that because I know that you're the person you're with is okay, and I know that you're okay. Oh wow! Yeah, seriously. Yeah, like um, it is. It is very good therapy. Like you know, when you bring the absurd into even the most devastating circumstances, and we've talked about this somehow many times. More about my family than anything else, I think. But but laughter like carries you through. You know what I mean? Like I've been laughing my whole life, and I think it's carried me through pretty dark times at times. Well, you, yeah, we 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 talked about your family last time, but we also you you were telling me without any compunction. Um, you've told me, you know, that with there are kids that have been through very serious struggles for a very long period of time and you can always find the vein of humor for them right off the bat and it's such a relief for them it's not a tip it's you know sarah bleh. 
therapists do, don't typically have that in their wheelhouse. And uh, you do naturally. And what a relief to be able to laugh at something that you've been you know, in agony about for months and months and months. Yeah, and if you think about it, and, 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 and I mean this sincerely, and even for my therapist brethren out there listening, um, people take um, all the psychiatric diagnostic stuff so very seriously, um, forgetting that it's life. And, you know, we all feel some elements of almost all of it at some time. And if you take a step back, just like almost everything else in life, it's absurd and it can be really, really funny. The darkest elements of depression are out of context, just a, a hair out of context, really funny. Yeah, right. <laughs> and anxiety, you know, when I tell stories about my most anxious, they are really funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're, they're hilarious. Like I, <laughs> I remember um, I was telling somebody – a very anxious young man I worked with recently, a story I remembered. We were just dating, and I was having a panic attack, and I walked out of Arthur Anderson <laughs> where I was working, and I thought, everybody on the street must know I'm having a panic attack. Why aren't they all looking at the man in the suit who's swaying around? And at one point, I held onto a building, and... A, a, a taxi driver said, you know, hey. And I was like, oh, finally, somebody noticed. And he's like, is this Washington or Monroe? I'm like, shit, he doesn't even know. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't you see I'm dying here? I've been shot. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like a guy being shot walking down the street and nobody noticing. You know what I mean? Like, right. you know, I've been shot through the chest. You're asking me whether uh, where I'm Washington? That's a one-way street going the other way anyway. Anyway. Um, you brought up a really interesting memory that showed up on Facebook about what was, what happened about nine years ago today. Nine years ago on October 30th, um, we went to the rally to restore sanity. They called it, well, the rally to restore, the rally to restore sanity in D.C. John Stewart spearheaded it. He basically had this idea, let's all gather in the mall. Let's just, you know, all, all of us who are tired of the vitriol and, you know, the divisiveness, let's just gather on the mall and just be together. And hundreds of thousands of people there were, there were a quarter million answered the call. There. We got on a plane with George, thank God, and uh, we went. And it was... So George would have been 14, I think, at that time, right? Ten, nine years ago or maybe 15. Yeah, so... We flew to D.C. We were like right away. Oh, we're going. Mm -hmm. I remember. I remember when he first brought it up, and then it was kind of like really. And then it grew and grew and grew. So we got on a plane with George, flew to D.C. It was a gorgeous day. We walked to the mall. Um, there were so many people gathering, and they everybody had signs. It, it, I'm sure John talked about it a lot, and then. Stephen Colbert, who was doing that conservative character, yeah, he was on the, Colbert on the Colbert report. Colbert report guy, yeah. So he he his spin was the reality restores sanity and or fear. Like he was gonna he was gonna keep fear alive, you know, as this crazy character. But basically, it was this mix of people with different perspectives and opinions who just wanted to stand with other people and drop all the BS and all the um, and negativity and just show up and stand together. And there were funny signs 
you know, there were I, I think there were a few political signs, but um, you know, strikingly few. Does this sign make my butt look big? And you know, vote for Pedro and not Penny's boat. And if anybody you know, who's a Lost fan, I remember first seeing. If you ever watched Lost, you know, a decade ago, not Penny's boat was. George and I were both like, "Oh, that's a good yeah. sign, man." In the, in the sea of people, um, and having nothing to do with politics, right? Nothing at right. all, you right. know. Like, and there we are on the mall in D.C. at a massive rally, and there is, it is there's nothing political being said or going on. Everybody's beaming, like for hours. We were out there, and everybody was happy. Everybody was happy all day long. Yeah, and the, but I have no idea how people voted or where where they stood. We didn't care, right, for a day. Right. They had a ton of entertainment. They had there was a lot of laughs, um, and it was an all day thing. But I do remember at the end, John Stewart. Um, you know, there was a lot of like I said, comedy and hijinks, and you know, Cat Stevens. Well, that was that was one that was painful because he came out and sang Peace Train, yeah. which was beautiful. And then as a, they thought it would be funny to interrupt that song partway through and um, Ozzy Osbourne came out. So that song got cut off and Ozzy Osbourne came out and sang crazy. Is it crazy train? Yeah. And that was just like, oh, that was a gut-wrenching stop because you're like, oh, my gosh, this song is so beautiful. And then they cut it off for a bit, and that was a— <laughs> Oh, by and large, it had very little to do with what was going on on stage. I mean, I give Stuart and Colbert credit for making it happen, um, but most of it had to do with what they intended it to be, about the people gathering and recognizing, hey, man— were, we got way more in common than we have apart. So there were people of every race and creed and color and I'm sure political affiliation. And it was pretty cool. I mean, it was really like a unique, special day. I was really glad to be able to show our kid that day. Oh, yeah. Well, and in the very end, you know, John Stewart did say at the very, very end, he was talking and he was like, hey, man, you know, in our daily lives, um, in our neighborhoods, when we're letting each other into traffic, we're not asking each other, are you a Republican or a Democrat? Are you a conservative or a liberal? Like, that's that's not how we live. That should be in the margins. And, um, I mean, I think it all needs to be re-jiggered and re-evaluated and re-identified. I don't, I don't identify with any of those words. I've said that a million times. But the, you know, the toxicity of, of the conversation has just now has gone off the rails it was so it was amazing for just to see that memory pop up on facebook and i think we both had the same it was kind of heartbreaking it was a great memory but you you texted like john george and i have a group text and you're like oh my god this almost broke my heart oh yeah because it, it feels like that um that vibe is almost impossible to capture or even recapture like you know like i can see it i can remember it but um it's so hard to kind of work your way through all the bullshit rhetoric in between you and sanity you know just like seriously you know like especially now worse now than ever i mean you know if there was ever a time to 
um, put together something that happened once before, I would love for there to be another rally to restore sanity. You know, I don't care who puts it on. No, I, I would but, too. I um, would too. Because I don't Maybe know. Maybe we should start the. Right. I don't know how you get back to that. You know what I mean? Like, given where we are now, given. And you brought up something interesting. There's. We, we, we listen to podcasts a lot. You listen more than I do, but Armchair Expert is one of our favorites. Yep. And um, and it's really so smart. I mean, Dax Shepard is so smart. Everybody who comes on is so smooth and articulate. And um, one thing I love about that podcast that I hope we do a little bit of here is they'll call themselves out on you know their own BS. You know, um, routinely it, it's part of every single episode, and to recognize like. We have we have a problem here, and it's systemic, and we're all part of it. Yeah, for and, sure. And um, Obama um, was speaking the other day and said, was talking about the idea of kind of the the woke millennial liberal, you know, and the, the how how easy it is, how shooting fish in a barrel it is, to just. Um, pick on the other side and talk about what's wrong with the way everybody else is thinking. But that doesn't move the needle. That doesn't fix anything. All that does is continue to create division. Yeah. Well, was he speaking on a college campus? Because everybody does that, not just college. He was talking about college kids, but... No, he was... Um, let's see. where He was He was here in Chicago oh. uh, at the Obama Foundation. Oh, right, Foundation. right, 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 yeah. right. Um, we, well, well, I think he was just We're all at, doing that. We're all doing that, yeah. So... You know, and, and on this podcast today, I do that. I mean, just, oh, yeah. just, just to be really clear, like I do that routinely all the time, every day. I I curate my Twitter feed as confirmation bias in part, and you know what I mean. And I'm kind of like I I'll see somebody's tweet now. I can shake my head in righteous indignation, mm-hmm. like you know, ah, you freaking moron, you know. Um, but that doesn't help anything. All that does is make me feel a little better about myself. But that's all ego, man. That's bullshit. Yeah, no, and the girl that he was talking to today, I have to look up who she is, but she was saying, and it's right, you know, our government and our media is a reflection of us. Yeah. Period. Right. And so, and, you know, I heard her say that today. I'm like, that's got to be true. So what does that mean? So what does that mean for all of our personal responsibility? And, you know, we've... It's got to be baby steps that we take out of this, but it certainly just solidifies the problem if we blame everybody else. And there's a lot of that going on. And and there's just relentless, unstoppable noise on both, you know, slants on both channels of... Um, you know, that that it's hard to get away from, and it's depressing, I think, and dispiriting. And it makes us all, and it, it could very well be designed specifically for this, I think it makes us all check out. Oh, for sure. Well, our, our lives are, you know, part, part of um, what's happened in the last few years. And it's interesting kind of from a therapist point of view, you know, I think I've said here many times, you know, I have more referrals now than I ever, ever have. Oh, and part of it is that um, our lives have become politicized as opposed to humanized, right? Yeah. So our, um, whereas, 
when you think about that re- rally, what the, the point of that was connection, laughter, joy, that was the idea. Like, what are, what are the factors that bring us together, you know? And it was, and they're not complicated. They're not, it's kind of one of those things that is simple, but maybe not easy, right? No, uh, I, and I, no, they're not complicated. And I don't understand, well, maybe that's the space most of us actually live in most of the time. Maybe that's the good news. And you don't, feel it because there's this you know this din going on um i don't believe that i actually think we are um more collectively agitated moment by moment oh yeah than we've ever been no we are agitated but 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 maybe we really live in that connectedness more like in our day-to-day but we don't we don't process that um but i i will say like I get nervous in a lot of social situations um, when certain co- topics of conversation come up. Yeah. And I feel a lot of things that come out of people's mouths are very dispiriting to me. And, no, right, I know. And, and I can't, like, I, emotionally, like, it takes me down. It's like, really? Ugh. You know, and, and I, I know... A lot of people feel that way, regardless of where they stand. But it- well, and me, I, I I have a slightly different take on it because I kind of like put on armor and I'm like, all right, let's go. You know what I mean? Like, but that's no better. That's no better because that's a, just as disconnected. You know, um, it, in a weird way. I'm, do you mind if I continue for a sec? No. I'm thinking about therapy and how um, when a therapeutic connection is made. Both people rise to that. Like both people um, sit in that connected space and um, are really available to one another. It, and it's like this really, really um, healthy spot to be in. And um, and it's because it, it's it's kind of this mutually beneficial, collaborative deliberately collaborative space and outside of that I don't know that we have that setup and that's why I'm I'm skeptical because of of that idea that maybe we're connected more often than not because man when I work with a kid that's new for example um, and I'm thinking of somebody specifically um, who I met in the past week uh, this person rose the occasion and kind of lit up and you could feel like, oh, this is dusting off something real ancient for them. They haven't felt this in a long time. That kind of like, oh, this person sees me. I can see this person. I feel human. I feel like, you know, I can see um, I can see the way I've been seeing things from a different perspective and maybe shift. Um, but I don't think we provide that space for each other very readily outside of settings that are like specifically mandated for that. Oh, no, I mean I think we do in friendships and in you know in neighborhoods and in in a lot of social situations but unfortunately if certain topics are not brought up which sucks um and I don't know when that all started um maybe it's always been that way. I don't know. 
But what what has changed for us, you know, societally and like spiritually is the twenty four hour news cycle and social media. It's just you're 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 bombarded with the BS. It's you know you can't get away from it, and it's real angry and toxic and. It People fuels on fear, like you attacking know, each it's other. All, it's all fear based, right? The whole idea of it, and again, we 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 are rehashing old ground, but in the context of that rally, you think about like how specifically fearless it felt, because in a way, it, it, they created this circumstance where you know what? Let's just have fun for a couple of hours with nothing at stake. Yeah, more more just fear-free than fear. It wasn't like fearless or brave to go. It was people, I mean, we were just like, oh yeah, we got to go. We got to go. And it felt so good. It was, you felt outside of the vitriol. You felt, it was like relief. It was like sab. It was like healing. You didn't know who it was that was around you, but you knew why you were all there. It made you be able to breathe. It gave you hope. And what's so funny about it to me in a way now, and I really, I don't know if I've thought about the irony of this before, is it takes you all the way outside of all of that political bullshit on the mall in Washington. You know what I mean? Where you can see the White House and the Senate building and the, the Lincoln Memorial right there. And even in that setting, you know what I mean? Where you're in the center of it, literally, you're, you're feeling great. It's interesting, right? It's interesting they were able to pull that off there. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know enough about politics, government, about even history to know when, if it was ever more, you know, more let's find a solution that meets somewhere in the middle, let's collaborate, let's let's find a win-win, or if it's always been so divided. I know there's no way people really believe and really feel passionate um, so down party lines. There's just not a chance that's true. Like that everybody who's a Republican buys hook, line, and sinker, everything, you know, that comes up on that side of the aisle, for lack of a better word, and vice versa. You know, I know there's people that, you know, are, they say they're whatever, fiscally conservative and socially liberal and, you know, um, I don't know. Right, where, but that, that, that feels easy, too. Um, for some reason, as you're talking about that, I'm thinking about uh, a political candidate that has our attention, the, Pete Buttigieg. Yeah. And, um, and one thing, so we, we saw him speak the other night for, on C-SPAN for a few minutes in, in Iowa. And, um, and one thing I love about this guy is um, I, don't, I don't think he is very easy to paint along party lines. He's super earnest. And, you know, I think the guy presented with a reasonable plan that ran counter to strict democratic ideology. Do I think he'd turn that down just by virtue of the fact that it didn't meet his party's standards? No. I think he'd be a common sense, like, I think this makes sense. You know what I mean? He's a very common sense guy. If you guys haven't listened to him, um, please do. (laughs) 
we I he's my guy. I we, I love everything about him. He gives me hope because he doesn't. There's no political speak in him at all, which again makes me be able to breathe and trust. And um, he's so smart. And he's, he's kind of military. Blessed. He's brilliant. He's solid. He's um, blessedly nerdy. Yep. <laughs> he's like no sense empathic. of irony or sarcasm. Um, he. I don't think I've ever heard him say something really awful about anybody ever. You know what I mean? Like, um, Beto O'Rourke pulled out of the race and, you know, and he wrote this kind of scribe, like this long Twitter thread about how much he, like, really, like, honored that guy. And, like, who? He wrote, Pete wrote about Beto. Like, oh, you know, yeah. oh, I really like him. I, we became really close on the campaign trail. Going to miss him out here. You yeah, know? I don't think he's, he's not, yeah, I don't, I don't think he'll do that. So he feels like somebody who could be, who could unite. Um, and I, like, you know, we need that. I don't know if we meant to go here specifically, but whatever. Check out Pete. Check well, out Mayor Pete. <laughs> well, all right. So, so, so let's see if we can turn a corner here. This, this might take some sleight of hand on our part. And this is, this is live podcasting, so anything can happen. It is. Um, how do you take this to the micro scale? Take this to, so we're talking about what happens in the nation, right? What happens in a household that's divisive like this? You know what I mean? Like, in other words, like, we, we, we're going to talk a lot about family and parenting and stuff like that. Does, is there a, does this match that somehow? Um, is there something, you know what I mean? Is there, is there a corresponding vibe? Well, yes, yes. So, so that, and I, I agree. That's where I want to take it to. That's where we have to take it. Um, what can we all do individually um, that will uh, vibrate out? <laughs> um, and you actually had a conversation. Oh, I think it was that article you wrote in the New York Times. If you, if we shut each other out in a family, in a household, um, if the vibe is is isolating or alienating, then you know, then anger grows um, and stress and, uh, you know, depression um, and disconnect. And that's negative, like negative things grow. Whereas if we listen to each other and, ho- and, and hold space for each other to really express um, ourselves honestly, maybe our darkest thoughts, our biggest worries, um, you know, think the way we've screwed up, um, the way the things we really want. You know, if we really hold space to listen to each other, then you know there's relief in that, and we can then, once heard, you know, hear someone else. Yeah, yeah, and and um, I'm thinking as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking about um, talks I've been giving lately since the book was published. And I talk a lot about, like, we need to start having um, the talks you would normally reserve for your teenager with much younger children. And, um, and I've gotten some blowback. We anticipated we might. And I have, like, in the therapy room, um, a couple of comments on social media here and there about, like, you know, mm, I'm not going to talk to my 8-year-old about school shootings or whatever. You know, and I, um, I understand, and yet I... Um, I find that when people tell me they do, 
So I work, I work with people who are probably at 13 at the youngest. I think the youngest kid I work with right now is 12. Um, and, but they, a lot of them have younger siblings. And you, the parents who invite those children into a conversation you would think they'd have no knowledge about and no interest in, world politics, um, school shootings, sex, violence, you know, uh, violent video games, dueling. Kids have thoughts and opinions about this stuff, and there's something about honoring and respecting those thoughts and opinions. Kids sometimes come up with really, really interesting solutions, ideas, um, but what's, what, just one cool thing is we don't necessarily want our young kids to know the negative things that are happening in the world, but they do, but they do develop a point of view and to bring them into that discussion and talk to them. And you recognize, first of all, like you're probably raising an amazing human being, first of all, and you'll see that. You'll see that younger than people have ever seen that before, but also you're going to learn something from that, from that kid. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? From, from that, the, um, kind of the beauty of that point of view that might not know every little detail that you know. There's probably some simple solution that you're like, wow, that's impressive. That's, you know, right. That's all we have to do. And most kids are like, you know, um, like, yeah, don't be jerks about it. Like, you know, what are you guys making such a big deal about this thing for? You know, like the problem is this. Or here's what I see at school, Yeah, you know. You guys are focused in all the wrong places. Kids usually say that. Like, you know, they usually want to redirect a conversation. Like, you know, you guys think that's what's going right. on? Like in my with my class? <laughs> no, we're not bullying each other right now. <laughs> you know? Well, and I mean, this is all over, but you know, to that point, you when you say you think that's what's going on, you think that's the point. You know, you you say all the time that parents bring kids in, and it's never what what they perceive as the presenting problem. It never has anything to do with what the problem is really going on with the kid. So we so we can miss in our own families with our own children with the best of intentions. We can miss it, and we can cause um, you know divides, and even um, you know we can have disconnect and resentment in our own homes under our own roofs. Right, roofs. 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 <laughs> Roofs. Hooves. Roofs. Roofs. <laughs> That's why English is so hard to learn. But I do want to throw out a question back to the political parties. Here's what I think. And I don't understand how... I think neither party... I, I, neither party fully represents me. Right. And I, I feel like that's got to be the way that has to be a lot of people. Um, there are things I agree and disagree with on both sides. So I feel like, and I feel like even within the parties, people who whatever organize and design and you know structure the parties and their platforms, and I feel like they don't even know what's going on anymore or what what they're supposed to what stand for. Supposed to stand <laughs> right. for. It's kind of falling right. apart. Well, what are we about anymore? Yeah, and, but both parties do have an identity problem. Yeah, because. and so, <laughs> but but there's this digging in still. Um, I don't that 
you know, doesn't make a lot of sense. So that's what I, I keep going back to, like, you know, this doesn't represent me, you know, what you're saying, and I, you know, that conservative and liberal, those words I freaking hate. I don't even know what they mean. They're stupid. (laughs) Um, And that's what I got to think. I feel like there's a whole middle ground of people that aren't being represented, yet we have to pick one of those two camps, and so it's unnecessarily dividing us. Right. It's corrosive. There's no doubt about that. corrosive. Yeah. So I want. So I think there's this whole middle. I think a lot of that, and a lot of the, you know, a lot of people are one, um, whatever. What sorry, one issue voters, single single issue, issue voters, voters yes. Yeah. Um, but but a lot of the banter is what's in the margins, and it's but it's the whole it's the whole conversation, and so every so people are turned off, angry, and shut out. <laughs> well, and um, Or maybe that's just me. No, but there's also this lack of... Um, it, it's true. We, we all seek... Most of us are seeking confirmation bias. Uh, there's a sense of self-righteousness that is unprecedented because the division seems so very clear in a way, but it's really not because if you really think about how you feel, and you broke down issues and you paid attention, you would find like there's common sense on both sides. One thing I think is happening in, um, in Washington, in Congress and in the White House is that they're promoting this divisiveness. And they must, you know, as they lay their heads down at night, <laughs> a lot of people in D.C. must be like, what did I get into this for? What do I stand for again? <laughs> you know, yeah. like, because I'm fighting for some idea I don't even know if I care about, you know, and there's probably something I really value, some bill I want to write that nobody's even paying attention to because we're only paying attention to one or two things that have no impact on the 300 million people walking around the pl- the, the, the country or the 7 billion walking well, around the planet. Well, and then I planet. think there's, you know, I do think there are people with power um that kind of have a dark plan that know how to manipulate how to distract us all from what's really happening by saying weird shit and um you know that gets everybody's attention we're all kind of like monkeys you know and and there are people that know how we that how we all work that way plus there's yeah, they tap the extreme plus all the fear and analytics the hippocampus. and the data and how people they, they can manipulate us that way so it, it's dispiriting. But back to nine years ago, the rally to restore sanity was a, was a day-long feel-good. I don't yeah, know what the takeaway so, is. Well, the takeaway is probably to capture some essence of that day. So the way people treated each other on the mall that day um, was apolitical, specifically and deliberately apolitical. And most of our lives are probably not Political. Um, most of the way we want to be and the way we want to treat people and the way we want to think about ourselves and the world has very little to do into it with a nod to your thought with whether Republicans, we are Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative, um, whatever, whatever political label we feel inclined to 
to carry. And, um, you know, we kind of lose any sense of uniqueness or individualism or mission. You know, in, in other words, like, if you decide you are a conservative, what do you do now? Instead of like, I want to be a good human being. You know what I mean? I want to do something that makes some impact on the world in a positive way. You know, if we all kind of like came back to that, I want to laugh with people. I want to connect with people. I want, I want my family to be connected. I want to have a good life. I want to be able to make a living. I want to be able to travel. I want to be happy. Like, I feel like we all really want a lot of the same things. Um, I don't even know what conservative means. I don't know what liberal means. Right. I, I, I'm going to really – I'm working hard not to get political. There, There is this – so just, just to tell you, like, what's going on internally in me, there is this um, – and I think it's ego to some extent that wants to offer this kind of dissertation on that. And, you know, like, here's why – this stance makes far more sense than that stance, you know, and this is more human. This is more right somehow. Um, but, but I'm working hard not to do that because I think, and, and it's hard. I guess that's my point. That, that's what I want to say now is I'm struggling as we're talking about this not to get political. I am. I'm, I'm like biting my tongue and it's not easy. So I think for you, the listener, I don't expect it to be easy either, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't spend most of our time outside of our that space just connecting. You know what I mean? Like, I am certain that um, I have worked with people who feel very differently than me politically, and yet I feel deeply connected to most everybody who's ever been in that room, <laughs> you know? Um, I, I went to... I've been back in touch um, with a lot of my friends from college in the last couple of weeks. Um, one of my friends, Joe Lynch, um, has cancer, um, and uh, we are we are pulling for him and praying for him. He he sounds amazing and he sounds fine. And I haven't talked to Joe in so long, and talking to Joe and to Paul and to and being in touch with Roy and Pete and and Mike, it, it's. And Chris, kind of this beautiful thing, I know, I know that a lot of those guys voted differently than me every single time since we got out of college. And yet, you know, Joe gets sick and we're all like, oh, shit, Joe's sick, man. We got to rally Joe. <laughs> you know, yeah. Everybody's got to come together for Joe. We all love Joe. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, maybe, you know, if you think about it that way, like, you know, if the chips were down, you just show up for the people you care about, and you probably show up for anybody who needs you, you know. And um, and if you don't, then then you're creating your own internal corrosion, and th that that drives symptoms a lot of the time. No, I think people do. I think that's a that's the whole point. People do. And then when the I don't know, I don't know. Um, I I I will say. Um, It is hard to – I have really good friends who I love and see every day who, you know, I, I don't understand. I guess it's just who's there now. I, it is hard to understand how people can, like, celebrate Trump. <laughs> 
as a person, as a you know, as a leader of our country, I really that really is hard. And that's somebody to understand. that somebody in my profession is really interested needs to diagnose as like not well. I mean, I really that that is hard to understand and integrate. It is hard to integrate, but um, I can s- I guess. I could see where in the beginning they were like, oh, well, we definitely don't want Hillary. We want, you know, this guy and this guy is going to, you know, he's a leader, he's a business leader, and he'll he'll probably, you know, acquiesce and he'll be more presidential. And and then I, I could even understand that. But I can't, I don't, I don't see how people are still like digging in. But, and I don't know what it says about. Right. All of us. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to make an awkward attempt to pull this full circle. This is, again. Live podcasting, man. It's like flying without a net. But here, here, here we go. In a few hours, we're going to be watching Seinfeld. Okay. And Seinfeld has this show on called Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee. Yeah. Which is about comedians and cars getting coffee. <laughs> and he loves talking to comedians and kind of reminiscing about, like, you know, and not just reminiscing, talking about the process, talking about uh, the difficulty talking about what it's like to fly out, to, to walk out on that stage and not knowing whether this is going to be a great night or just, you know, like not such a great night. And we were talking earlier today about um, how we both carry some admiration for the way this guy approaches the world. One thing I love about Seinfeld is unlike a Stewart or a Colbert, um, Seinfeld has no political agenda. You know what he wants people to do? Laugh, Laugh. and have fun. I can get behind and, that. And, um, you know, that's that's his whole thing, you know? And if it's funny, Jerry can get behind it. You know what I mean? Like, if it's the, you know, one of the bits I bet we're going to hear tonight is about, like, you know, um, and this is, like, classic Seinfeld stuff, having nothing to do with any of the crap. It's like, you know, so you got the Raisinette, Right. A chocolate-covered raisin. It's a done deal. It's a completed product. And then one day, Minute Maid decides, well, we already got the raisin. Why don't we put some chocolate on that? Why be the second guy? It's already done. Somebody already did it. It's ready. It's done. And that's just a great bit, even though you're not laughing at all. (laughs) We'll see. But the idea is it has nothing to do with any of this stuff. We're all going to be sitting in that theater cracking up. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, kind of collectively, we probably share more experiences walking down the street with people who think differently than we do than we have any idea. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. You're not listening, we man. We need to officially You're all about, oh, that. let's be against Trump. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. No, 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 no. Listen, I, when he was a TV guy, I thought he was kind of adorable. I, I could, I've said this before. Like I could see the the wounded little boy in him, and I, you know, I could, because um, that's how I roll. I could, but I could. I I I don't know. I had a soft spot for him, but in this other role, and I think the other people that are, um, it's a very, it's an important role, and you and it's not a frivolous role, and and, so, and it's and it's it's there's there's danger. In his behavior, and I think there are people, uh, real creepy people, that know how to, like, manipulate him to get what they want to have happen. Hashtag Steve Bannon. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, that's not well. I, maybe that is part of what we want to talk about. 
Well, yeah, maybe part of it is it's okay to have – we all have political thoughts and feelings. We all have – you know, we all have um, ideology we get behind. We all have um, ideas that matter more to us than others. You know what I mean? The idea that there is mental health – parody in this country. I, I follow Patrick Kennedy and the, the, the Kennedy Forum because this guy has a political action committee, most of which I'm against, um, that is trying to enforce mental health parity, the same mental health care that you would get for regular health care, for your physical health care, uh, from companies, from schools, from every organization that you might work for um, or be you know, connected with insurance companies in particular. Wait, 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 what? He's trying, you're, you're against it. You said, no, no, no. I'm, I'm a hundred percent behind it. I, I thought mean, you said most of which I'm against political action committees. Oh. I'm not, I'm not crazy about the idea of, of, um, you know, for example, Pfizer being able to put a $3 billion political action committee on the mall and manipulate the way drugs are distributed in the country um, and prices uh, because they can afford to. Right. Anywho, it seems like we've gotten political. <laughs> That's how hard it is to stay outside that realm. Um, what's the deal with that? We have to go to Seinfeld. We do. So is there, is there a closing thought in the spirit of the rally to restore sanity? Can you paraphrase once again Jon Stewart's um, thoughts at the end of the rally that might kind of close us out a little bit here? Um, yeah, in our daily life, none of us, I don't think, most of us don't really want to... Um, come from that space and um, live in that toxic muck. Um, I think we I don't know, all need to be a little more probably open-minded um, and I don't know, watch watch what you say. <laughs> Like, don't have, like, lazy, stupid conversations about, I don't know. No, finish that thought. That feels, no, but that feels I don't important. know. Just, just, I've just heard a lot of people talking lately kind of in a lazy, just ignorant way. But that's, that's my judgment, you know? Mm, yeah. But go on. Your judgment might be right. You're usually right. I think we're all just a little, I don't know. It's easy to. I know fall. I'm not finishing a sentence. I get it. I'm <laughs> dispirited, but um, we just need to be lighter and brighter and more loving and more um, and and funnier. Yeah, yeah. And um, Let's lighten up a little bit. We have right? to lighten up and light up and lighten up. Light up and lighten up. I'm a broken record, but. Um, my lights are going out. <laughs> and we'll, we're going to keep, in the in the words of Wayne Dyer, we're going to keep teaching what we need to learn, learn. until yeah. finally we get it. This, and also, everyone is God speaking. Be polite and listen. <laughs> That's another thing he said. Okay, right. Is there anything else we want to knit on a pillow and <laughs> wrap this up with? Let me think. Mm. No. Okay. 
All right, um, we're going to go see Seinfeld. What's the deal with that? This is better. And we will talk to you guys next time. Love you, honey. Love you, honey. Julie looks amazing today, by the way, you guys. You should see. Seriously? Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) 